Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That Time When. I'm your host for this week, I'm Barnaby King and joined as ever by Amelia Edwards. Hey! Right, so this is a comedy podcast as well as a history podcast because I know that I know that these are trying times and I hope everyone is staying healthy and staying safe. But I don't know about you, but I, so I listen to a lot of podcasts and I like, I watch YouTube channels and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that no one really wants to like give this thing a name. Like everyone just talks about like current events or like what's happening today. And I think that it's important that, you know, we normalise it. Well, we, the thing that's happening in these trying times. In these trying times, exactly. And of course, I'm talking about the hordes of horse warriors coming from the steppes, from Mongolia, assaulting cities and crushing all armies in their wake. And I just think that, you know, we should be talking about this. We should be ready. We should be following President Trump and setting up walls left, right and centre to repel the invading Golden Horde. I don't know. See, I think really the way to deal with any barbarian invaders is to stay at home, make sure you wash your hands regularly, and wear a mask. I don't see how that applies here. I, I What nonsense is this? I, I, I think you're just, you're making monkey shines when we've got to deal <laughs> with these Mongolians. Okay, well let's talk about the Mongolians. <laughs> yes, so that. yes, obviously this week uh, talking about the Mongolians and specifically talking about probably one of the most famous Mongolians of all time, uh, Genghis Khan. I think... Genghis Khan is one of these figures in history that everyone knows, like, some fact about him. And it's probably erroneous most of the time. Like, there's that thing where it's like, if you're a man, like, 5% of all men are related to Genghis Khan. Yeah. Which, I mean, considering that he was alive in the 13th century, you get a lot of this. Like, people are like, ah, I'm related to such and such. Like, Anne Boleyn is a big one. I hear people saying they're related to him. It's like, yeah, of course. If you go back far enough, like, the family tree spreads out. Also, isn't like 10% of the world Chinese? Yes. So if he conquered China, then wouldn't he have a really big chance? I mean, yeah, that's also a good point, which I hadn't actually thought of. So, yeah, yeah, he's one of these people that I think everyone knows a little bit about. And I think I knew a little bit about him when I first watched a film about his life. And that film was Mulan. (laughs) No, it was... No, what? No. He doesn't appear in Mulan. No, I know he doesn't, but it was funny to say so. <laughs> yeah, fair, okay. Um, no, it was... Well, it was It was during a time where I was really big into martial arts films because I was doing Kung Fu at the time and it really captured my imagination. I'm like, I still do like martial arts films even though I stopped doing Kung Fu years ago now and suffered for it. But I still do enjoy martial arts films uh yeah and it's a good film it's called mongol it's actually a russian film mm. um yeah i know I, I don't i don't know why the particular director decided you know what's best for me to do a biopic of the early life of genghis khan i love but, it yeah but he did and i, I was i remember watching it and looking at it and thinking like i wonder how much of this is true because like martial arts films like kung fu films they follow a few tropes generally and okay. like the plot lines you've got a few sort of select plot lines and generally each martial arts films has a variant of this sort of thing so it's stuff like uh someone stole the precious idol from our village and i've mm-hmm. got to go get it back often like going into the big city or some like much larger organization and get it <laughs> or... hold on hold on the thing is i haven't actually watched any many kung fu films mm-hmm. but i have watched 
uh, Around the World in 80 Days with Jackie Chan. And isn't that the plot line to Around the World I mean, in 80 yeah. Days with Jackie yeah. Chan? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, uh-huh. martial arts films, they do tend to have the similar sorts of themes. So okay. I, I was watching this, and it's like, okay, yeah, so this is like a martial arts film about Genghis Khan. I was like, that's cool. And I started, you know digging into it and having a look about like what was real and what wasn't. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about this film and then I'll tell you afterwards about the history. It starts with the childhood of Genghis Khan, although as he was known then, Temujin Borogin. Uh, Genghis Khan is a title basically meaning supreme leader. Cool. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to try as much as possible to get these names right, but I am not Mongolian. I, I, I'm sorry if this comes as a shock, but I'm not. I am amazed yeah. that somebody with such white features... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Temujin Borogin, he's a young lad, and he's travelling along with his dad, Yesuge, and he picks out a bride uh, from some other tribe because he is, like, essentially... The, the, his family are the chiefs of their, okay. their particular tribe. And he's got to, like, have a really important bride. So, like, he goes along... He, he goes along to the uh, the women market, right. uh, essentially. Sure. <laughs> and that happens in all kung fu films. No, 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 no. The, that, this is more specific to this is more specific to Mongol. But okay. I mean, I'm I'm sure Jackie Chan could have his pick. Um, I think he's happily married. Probably, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Temujin goes along with his dad to the wom market, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they pick out a wom. Right. Uh, and they're, they're going home because uh, they've put down a reservation on her, but they're not actually collecting it yet. Okay. Um, a betrothal, I think, is the technical term. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I like the idea of reserving your wife. Yeah. That's good. But then, oh no! <laughs> on the way back, Yesuge gets poisoned by a rival tribe of Tartars. And this is because like, the, the tribe that Temujin came from and the Tartars... They've been feuding for, like, years. This is proper blood feud thing going on. And they, okay. poison, they poison Yesuge. Okay. And he dies. And a rival in the original tribe takes over and is going to kill Temujin and his family. Okay. But Temujin manages to escape. He, uh, he escapes and vows to take revenge when he's an adult. And that is a very kung fu thing right there. Okay. I mean, that's pretty cool already. This sounds like a cool life. It is a cool life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vowing to take revenge is always good. Uh, he does nearly die when he falls through some ice. Uh, okay. <laughs> but sure. he's saved uh, by a young a young man called Jamuka, who uh, basically they become like really close friends and everything like that. Temujin gets captured a couple of times by the new leader of his old tribe, and he manages to escape both times because you know he's Genghis Khan. Yeah, of course. Uh, he also manages on one of these occasions to get a hold of his betrothed daughter. Uh, so points for him. He done got his one. Good. Um, but then, oh no! Oh no! An aggressive tribe kidnaps Borta. So Temujin and his blood brother Jamuka, they gather a posse together and they go take her back. That's awesome. And I, again, very kung fu thing. Like evil, evil organization, tribe, whatever, supernatural entity mm-hmm. has stolen my wife, husband, insert whatever, um, and I've got to go on this long journey to get her back. I mean, it's not it's not actually a very long point in this film, but it, it happens. They succeed, and Borta and Temujin reunite, and then it's all great, and then, oh no! Oh no! Jamaka doesn't like how popular Temujin is becoming with his soldiers, and he oh. betrays him, selling Temujin into slavery. Oh no! Wait, what's happened to Borta at this point? 
they kind of like it was a long time ago I actually watched the film and I have to admit for this for the purposes of this episode I did go on the Wikipedia synopsis in order to <laughs> so I don't remember how but somehow they get separated okay um, I think I think Jamaka's basically like uh, I'm you're like Borto you've been kidnapped enough I'm gonna just sell your husband and you can go free so I've this, this is most of the film to be honest I'm gonna speed it up a bit through this Borta gets a message from a monk who agreed to help Temujin in exchange for Temujin later not burning down his monastery because the monk basically sees oh you're gonna be Genghis Khan I've got to be on your good side yeah. uh, Borta and Temujin reunite Yay. Temujin gets his warband together he defeats his blood brother turned traitor again very kung fu having the whole like betrayal of childhood friend or anything like that and then the film just kind of comes to an end with him defeating Jamaka off screen. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a weird end. I remember thinking this was a bit of a weird end, a bit of a disappointing finish, but there we go. You pointed out there's a lot of these kung fu film tropes. Yeah. And it was after I finished this film, I decided, you know, I'm going to look into the actual history of it, that I realised that this wasn't a kung fu film after all. Okay. Because... Genghis Khan's life was basically a lot of kung fu film plots put together. Okay. The film, it, it, it shortens and simplifies a lot of stuff because Genghis Khan had a crazy life and I <laughs> definitely do not have the time to fully go into it here. But I'm just going to talk about like some of the things that happen in the film and happen in real life and sort of expand upon them a bit. Just talk about the early life of Temujin Borrigan. Okay. So a, qu- a quick question. Yeah. In terms of this being a kung fu movie. Yeah. When he's fighting, yeah. does he actually like hit and kick and punch people, like actual kung fu style? Uh, well, not not kung fu specifically, but I mean, I, I'm using kung fu just to sort of mean martial arts in general, which mm. can like it can be a lot of things. I think, to be honest, that probably what happened is I went to the world cinema section because right. <laughs> this is back in the days of HMV and DVDs. Uh, um, yeah, so I'd go there and go to the world cinema section because that's where the martial arts films were, and I probably strayed over into just world cinema. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a lot of action, and there were all these kung fu film tropes. So I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a martial arts film." Mm-hmm. No, no, it was not. Okay. It is basically a biopic. So from what I can gather, having looked into it, we don't have many primary sources, uh, which is a history thing, isn't it? It is a history thing. Yes. And um, so. It's really helpful when we have primary sources, which means people writing at the time or artifacts left over from the time, because then we know that they're more likely to be true. Yeah. Um, I know a fair amount about the Mongolians, mm-hmm. but I know about the Mongolians from a Western history perspective, so that's mostly monks in places like Hungary mm. going, oh shit, well, yeah. <laughs> we've got Mongols. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's, yeah, it's, it's like that. Thinking about the Vikings, mm. like a lot of the history we know about the Vikings is written by Christian monks who they attacked. So most of the history is like, oh God, the Vikings are pillaging us. Oh, they're so bloodthirsty. And yeah, in this case, the Mongols as well, exactly the same thing. So there's basically one source for all we know about Genghis Khan written by Mongolians. Okay. And that is The Secret History of the Mongols, which was written about the mid-1200s. Right. Uh, actually around the same time as Icelandic sagas, thinking about it. Huh. There's probably some sort of weird dichotomy with that, really. You've got East and West having the same thing go on at the same time. It's probably to do with the weather. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going to say it's probably to do with the weather. Just because at the university that I went to, the University of East Anglia, has done some research into this. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there was a lot of rainfall 
around the time when the Mongolian hordes started pillaging everywhere. Right. And, no, this is really useful okay. for them, because you know they needed five horses each? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so they pillaged as far as the grasslands go. Uh, so there was a lot of grass. Right, yeah. But maybe that also affected the way that the Vikings were feeling at the time as well. Because Vikings did eat a lot of grass. They did. Yeah. They were basically... Um, Cheap. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so Secret History of the Mongols is where we got a lot of this information from. And we do have to apply some critical thinking skills to it. Because obviously, while most of the other stuff we've got is basically about, oh god, the Mongols are so evil, everything like that. This one is like, Genghis Khan, he is a stand-up guy, he's super cool, he does everything right. So there's a bit of sort of teasing apart fact from fiction. And some of it's easier than others. There's some stuff which is... Almost certainly artistic license, like there are all these auspices around his birth where he was born holding a clot of blood in his hand. Oh, I know, right? That's like, disgusting. <laughs> no, but apparently super good luck. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, and also, apparently he was uh, the descendant of a timber wolf. Cool. Okay. Yeah. What's a timber wolf? Uh, a grey wolf. It's just okay. it's, it's a species of big old wolf. Nice. Like literally a descendant of wolves. Well... <laughs> this is one of those things where in history like people obviously didn't know about genetics mm. and how this sort of thing works because like you're not gonna get you're not gonna have a this is gonna be a weird thing to say you're not gonna have a human and wolf mate and produce an offspring wait are we saying that genghis khan was a werewolf yes genghis khan absolutely was a werewolf you've heard it here it's confirmed genghis khan was no Uh, No, it's a good theory, but um, we're going to ignore the obviously supernatural stuff. This is is a time when genetics wasn't really known about. So, again, going back to the Vikings, because that is one of my preferred subjects. Mm -hmm. The god Tyr, his grandmother, who hates him, Mm -hmm. um, has 900 heads. (laughs) I mean, maybe that's why she hates him. (laughs) She's just seen too much of him. (laughs) Well, he's pretty normal. He's, like, human. So, yeah, no 900 heads to be seen. So yeah, this is this is not this is not the field of genetics. This is the field of myth. Okay. But going to stuff that we do know, like we can see, is probably true. Uh, it's probably true that his dad was poisoned or killed some way by the Tartars. Or I, I keep I keep seeing it like sometimes spelled Tartars and sometimes spelled Tatars. I don't know. It's the Tartars. I mean, I think it's either. I'm going to say Tartars just because I'm more used to that word. I think it's Tartars because of, um, and this is going to sound really snobby, but I think it's Tartars because of steak. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to talk about his dark materials. (laughs) Okay, right. Steak, sure. Yeah, I get it. Um, Yes. Russian steak? Yeah. Steak tartar? Yeah. Tartars? Yeah, well... Potatoes makes them sound like potatoes. <laughs> and I don't want you to say Genghis Khan's dad was killed by potato people. <laughs> New conspiracies, left, right and centre. I know, maybe this is what we should do. Like. <laughs> <laughs> this historical conspiracy. No. Was Genghis Khan a werewolf? No. Was his father killed by potatoes? <laughs> Find out here. Okay, but we do know that his dad's dead. Okay. And uh, a rival in his tribe did take over. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't this sort of like forced expunging of Temujin and his family. They weren't hunted down. They were just basically politely told to leave. Okay. (laughs) But that's not 
not as dramatic as I'd want. It's not as dramatic, no. But they, they did have, like, a rough time of it as a result of this. They were, like, super poor, properly destitute. There's this whole thing about how the, his family would eat roots and fish instead of the normal nomad diet at the time, which was mostly mutton and mare's milk. Delicious. I mean, yeah, either way, doesn't sound particularly great, to be I honest. Mean, roots and fish is just the British diet, though, isn't it? That's fish and chips. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. We're back to the potatoes again already. <laughs> Was Timogen a potato? <laughs> no, he wasn't, but he was still kind of considered royalty. Okay. Like, his family still had a lot of status, even though they weren't actually part of the tribe anymore, and they were super poor, though they had to eat fish and chips all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they were still considered, like, pretty influential and powerful and noble and everything like that. Which, I mean, it's a bit of a dichotomy going on there again, but, I mean, I could see that. Like, I get it. It's like those sort of faded gentility. Yeah. Like all of those noblemen who came to England and hang around after the French Revolution. Mm. Just well, sort of like really poor, but at the same time they get a bit of respect. Yeah, like in Blackadder. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a source. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, I've heard it in other places. <laughs> well, I mean, so this might have been some artistic license either way, like trying to big up the fact that he was like really poor maybe mm-hmm. they were just struggling a bit or maybe the uh prestige they had was artistic license and they were just sort of recognized of oh yeah you used to be chieftains didn't you well bye yeah uh, <laughs> we're not giving you any of our mare's milk no 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 you've got to have your fish and chips mm. oh is that battered oh I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a piece of that thing oh yeah <laughs> now back to my mare's milk delicious <laughs> And mutton. Can't forget the mutton. God, that just sounds like it would do such awful things to your stomach. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely mine. Mm. You know I've got a sensitive stomach. Yeah, I don't think we should try out the Mongolian (laughs) nomadic diet anytime soon. I don't know, we can market that. (laughs) Yeah. Are Mongolians known for being slim? They're usually portrayed as being kind of squat in pictures. Is this Asterix and Obelix or something? No, it's Mulan. Oh, Mulan. No, they're like they're super buff in Mulan. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's not like slender. I suppose, but still buff. Alright. Yeah, the way you were describing it is like dwarves from Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> I don't know, I've always just had this image and it's completely irrelevant to anything. Yes, it is. So back to the actual story. Okay. So Jamaka uh, was a real person. There wasn't this whole falling through the ice episode. It's a bit vague about where he comes from. He's just sort of mentioned as Temujin's childhood friend. Okay. It's also not clear if he was poor, like Temujin and his family, or if he was like Temujin's rich friend. Okay. So do we know if he was part of the same tribe as Temujin, or...? Again, this is not really clear. Okay, so he's some guy. He's some guy. Like, he he becomes more important later on, Mm. but his sort of early, early stages and his latter stages is not... It's a bit vague, and you'll you'll see why exactly as we continue along. So Temujin did have a rough time of it. He was captured uh, by a rival tribe who decided that instead of killing him, they were going to just kind of keep him as a bit of a pet and have him wear a wooden collar... I, I guess this is, like, possibly a sign that he did have prestige. But it's like, rather than just, like, kill this random person or sell them into slavery or anything like that, we'll keep them and sort of laugh at him. Yeah, I see what you mean. That just seems like a really weird thing to do. Like, imagine imagine you're bringing a date home. Back to your tent. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey. 
Oh my god, is that a slave ex-chieftain? Oh my god, so dreamy. (laughs) (laughs) You know that a man is worth his weight in battle or whatever. Like, that is the guy you're going to marry if he's got a slave ex-chieftain in the corner just looking really sad. Yeah, with a wooden collar. With a wooden collar. Which proved to be the undoing of these slavers because (laughs) Temujin knocked out a sentry with the wooden collar. (laughs) (laughs) They shouldn't have given him a wooden one. They really shouldn't. You don't give Genghis Khan anything. (laughs) He will turn anything into a weapon. That's awesome. Especially if you put a great big hunk of wood around his neck. He will fling his neck at you until you are dead. Wait, did he genuinely... Like, he hadn't taken the collar off. I don't know. It's like... (laughs) It just says that he attacked him with his with a blow from his wooden collar. Okay, so you're thinking like giraffe style I think them around the head. New conspiracy, was Genghis Khan a giraffe? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, he was a giraffe. Yes, he was a giraffe, confirmed here. He knocked out the sentry and he fled. They searched for him and someone did see him but apparently was so impressed by the fire in Temujin Borrigan's eyes that he actually decided to risk his own life and help Temujin escape. Okay, I'm going to question your source here. I mean... How do they know? Well, we know because this guy basically became uh, a really close friend of Temujin and like his his sort of aide-de-camp. Oh, right. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, it was just this idea that, like, someone saw him and just, like, turned a blind eye. And no. Like, years later. No, 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 no. He, held, he, he ran off with him and actually abandoned his own family in order <laughs> to run off with Temujin. Okay, that is incredible. Imagine having that kind of charisma. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's just a dick move on this guy's part. <laughs> He just wanted to get away from his family. He was, he was like, I don't know, he was, he was having problems dealing with the responsibility of a family. He was like, that dude looks charismatic as hell. I'm going to follow him. He's like, oh, oh God, you know, I can't make up my monthly payments on the yurt. I've got five children and another one on the way. I can't afford all their mares. <laughs> and my wife is demanding more and more mutton and wooden jewellery. And what's this? Oh, there's this guy coming along. He's way hotter than my wife. I'm going to go with him. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, literally any chance. Scott yeah. Free. And then for years, the Mongolian tribesmen had just tried to hunt him down to get him to pay chance. <laughs> <laughs> this is really the source of all of Timogen's later problems. Yeah. Him. Well, he, he goes on to have a bit more success. Like he gets Borta. Um, she's just kind of free to go to him there's no like rescuing her or anything like that she's just she's just there she just kind of turns up one day and he's like oh yeah we're betrothed um right okay and then she does get kidnapped by a rival clan now the film that i watched doesn't go on to explain that the reason this tribe kidnapped water is because years prior temujin's dad yes Kidnapped one of their wives. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not saying that wife stealing is fine or victim blaming, but you know, if your family has a habit of stealing wives, then you've got to expect someone is going to respond in kind. Sure, okay. So I'm just trying to picture this here. So he kidnapped a woman from this tribe. Yes. But specifically someone's wife. Yes. Cool. And then, so you're going to do a bit of a swap then? Yeah. 
Sure, okay, so it's a bit like the times when the clans on the other side of the Scottish border were like stealing each other's cows at the time with wives. <laughs> yeah. Cool, alright. You got a good, a good herd of wives over there, I'm going to steal one of yours, you can steal one of mine. So Temujin goes to uh, a Khan of another tribe, a guy called Togril, which is a great name. I just I really wanted to say it. I really love a lot of these names. A lot of I these know. names are very Tolkien-esque. They are, aren't they? And like, I, I'm not 100% certain I'm pre- pronouncing them correctly. Probably not. Probably not. But I mean, even so, they are good names. So Togril, who is, uh, he's Khan of another tribe, and he's an old buddy of Temujin's dad, the wife-stealing bastard. Okay. Uh, Togril agrees to help Temujin get his wife back, and puts together an army of 20,000 warriors to attack this tribe that stole Borta. Oh my god. Yeah, not only that, Togril uh, goes to Jamaka, who's for some reason disappeared for a while, mm-hmm. uh, goes to Jamaka and is like, yo, your friend Temujin really wants his wife back, so could you rustle up a few men and come help? And Jamaka's like, yeah, sure. So, and how many men does he bring? It doesn't say, oh. <laughs> which is very frustrating because I want to know exactly how many. Because like this wasn't it, okay. This wasn't lending really. This was a gift. What? So now he's got twenty thousand men forever for keeps. I mean, essentially, it's a bit confusing as to exactly how fealty works in this regard. Mm. The 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 book is kind of vague about it. Yeah, but it does seem that they are now his men. Cool. All right. Uh, which is great for Temujin. Yeah. Like, he may have lost a wife, but he does have an army now. Mm, and mean, a... <laughs> you've got 20,000 people in exchange for one. Yeah, that's oh. true. Now, at the same time, he's still described as being really poor and destitute. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's true either. <laughs> I mean, there's no real explanation as to how he can have this massive army basically be a chieftain again and still be super poor. Do they mean, like, he doesn't have any money? I mean, yeah, but the thing is, at this point, you've got the army, which is effectively your resource. Yeah, yeah, okay, but what if, right, he's a bit like Richard the Lionheart, who we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Richard the Lionheart did not have money to pay his army, but he did have a lot of land. Okay, but it's the fact that he's described as poor and destitute. Like, this makes me think, like, he's wearing rags, he's still on the fish and chips, but he also is the head of this army. I think he was a bit of a hipster. I think it was a style thing. Okay. I think he was, like, into that whole, like, uh, small-scale living. Right. So you think he was going around with, like, a top-knot plus shaved back and sides? Yeah, probably. Sipping his vanilla lattes. Yeah. Which is amazing because coffee hadn't been discovered yet. That's true. But, I mean, he probably had a lot of time for the vanilla lattes because I should point out that this whole thing, like in the film, they get together their crew, mm-hmm. they go and take over the tribe. In real life, took about a year. Okay. Um, so it does make the rescue look a bit lackadaisical. Like, I, I get it. You've got 20,000 men to put together. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like he probably could have done it with fewer. I mean... Probably. It seems like a really big overkill. It feels like normally you rescue your kidnapped wife, like, just yourself and a small band of people. Yeah. I don't think you need a whole army. It definitely detracts from the whole, like, kung fu archetype. Yeah. It's very rare that you watch Bruce Lee turn up with an army of 20,000 in order to storm the enemy gang's hideout or something. I mean... 
How would you pay the extras? Yeah, that's true. With fists. <laughs> Fighting. With mare's milk. Or mare's milk. New from Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> mare's milk. Because <laughs> we've run out of cows. <laughs> Imagine if this podcast got really big, big unexpectedly and then <laughs> started demanding mare's milk and um, mutton. Yeah. <laughs> Get on your Mongol diet today. It will make you shit out a house. <laughs> well, obviously, with this massive army, they wipe out their enemies, rescue Borta, who appears to have had a child in the intervening time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? Is it his? Almost definitely not. Okay. <laughs> um, but at this point, Temujin starts thinking, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. I've got this whole like vision of the future. I'm going to unite all the different Mongol tribes into one nation, effectively. And by unite all the tribes, I mean crush them and absorb what's left into his tribe. That's always what's meant. It generally is, yeah. Uh, he defeats a load of the uh, of the other chieftains, including the Tartars, and slaughters all of them who are taller than a cart axle. Okay. Either they've got a lot of short warriors, or... <laughs> He means leave the children. And he means leave the children because he decides to raise them as his own. It's very much a, look at me, I am your dad now. Wait, okay. So, I feel like there's a lot of Mongolians at this point, Yes, right? yes. So he's going to raise, like, this army of children and be like, I'm your father. I mean, okay, Uh, this is artistic license on my part. I I think it's more like, hey, we're collectively your family now, rather than (laughs) Genghis Khan being like, you're all my son. Maybe that's where the myth comes from. Well, oh, yeah, because they're all his kids. They're all his kids. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. So then, yeah. So you've got just a lot of first-generation descendants of Genghis Khan who go off, have children of their own, and, like, your grandfather was Genghis Khan. Yeah. And so... The myth passes on. The myth passes on. Also, how tall is a car axle? I don't know. Because I feel like that's not very tall. Like, that's little kids that are surviving this. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that was the idea. Right. I think the, 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 the reasoning behind it was... They should know nothing of their original tribe. Oh, that's really tragic. I know, it's really tragic and really dark, and we probably shouldn't be making fun of such broad-scale infanticide. Um, And, like, murder of fully grown adults, but that never seems to be as tragic. Let's move on from this. This is making me uncomfortable now. Um, So, at this point, there's a rift that occurs between... Temujin and Jamaka. And the exact nature of it is a bit suspect. Okay. So there's this whole thing where apparently Jamaka gave this enigmatic remark about Temujin's choice of camping site for his soldiers. <laughs> okay. And Borta. <laughs> well, Borta starts chatting shit. Oh my god. Okay. And telling Temujin that, you know, you really need to get away from Jamaka. He's such a negative influence in your life. I just think you don't need that negativity. Okay. So Temujin is like, you know what, you're right. Probably because he was intending to betray Jamaka anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but also, 
Do you think that this is one of those cases of somebody's, this is like the earliest nagging wife stereotype, just being like, oh, you shouldn't be hanging out with that guy. Anymore. I mean, I think, I think what it is, is that the writer of The Secret History of the Mongols wants to gloss over the fact that Temujin 100% is going to stab Jamaka in the back. Oh, so you just blame the woman. You just blame the woman. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool. We'll see this a lot throughout history, won't we? <laughs> Absolutely we will. Sexism strikes again and hey. wins the day for... Historians trying to gloss over the fact that a man was not perfect. Yeah, basically. So we don't know exactly. There is this whole thing about this choice of camping site. And I don't know, I think Jamaka was just being a bit bitchy. Temujin didn't like it. <laughs> Borta was like, you don't have to put up with that. And Temujin's like, you know what? I don't have to put up with that. And then it's like... A short while later, they're just kind of separated. And the problem is, the problem is with this, is that Jamaka has no advocate in history. Yeah. Because this is the only real record we have of him. And of course, it's written to make Genghis Khan look like a badass. Yeah. You cannot have the founder of your nation seem like a bit of a dick. Yeah, basically. So poor Jamaka, probably a pretty normal dude. Yeah. Just kind of gets... Painted as the bad guy, regardless. Yes. I probably, yeah, justice for Jamaka. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag justice for Jamaka. Do we know what happened to Jamaka after that? Well, we do. So, going back to the film, in the film, Jamaka betrays Temujin because he's our hero. Yeah. Um, and Ta- uh, Temujin eventually gets his army and defeats Jamaka, remember I said in that very disappointing rushed ending. Yeah. And that does kind of happen, to be honest. Like, Jamaka tries to get together armies with some other chieftains. Okay. But everyone can kind of see the way the wind is blowing. Mm. People are flocking to Temujin because he's pretty awesome. Mm. And to be honest, at this stage, like, it's hard to tell exactly why he's so awesome, apart from the fact that we keep getting told he's really awesome. It's a bit like Tommy Wiseau in The Room. Like, yeah. <laughs> Johnny's such a great guy. Genghis Khan's such a great guy. Oh my god. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Genghis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Jamaka. <laughs> Everybody betray me. No, Temujin. You were 100% going to stab Jamaka in the sleep and steal his men. I guess you just do get these like weirdly charismatic people throughout history where they can convince people to side yeah. with them. Well, it seems like Temujin was that sort of person. It may well also be that in the sort of slightly spotty history... Uh, that he's done some other stuff that like makes him a proper war chief and everything like that. It's hard to say because we're kind of... I mean, at this stage, I am also glossing over some stuff just mm-hmm. because Genghis Khan's life is mad. It oh, is yes. completely mad. And so much stuff happens that we could basically do an entire podcast just about Genghis Khan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... I'm just trying to think of names for it. <laughs> Something to do with that Mike Snow song. Probably. It could just be called I Get a Little Bit Genghis Khan. It could be. Yeah. I really hope other people have heard that song. I'm sure they have. I'm sure it was popular. Was it? I don't know these things. I don't know. Uh, Well, I know it. (laughs) (laughs) So poor Jarmika is on the wrong foot in history. Temujin's got all these supporters. Jarmika's alliances fall apart. And he just kind of disappears. Okay. I reckon Temujin killed him. Okay. I reckon the history doesn't want to say Temujin killed his 
childhood friend. Yeah. Because, again, not a good look. Uh-oh. No. Poor Jamaka. Yeah, basically what we've got is we've got two histories of Genghis Khan and the Mongolian hordes. You've got the people they attacked trying to paint them as the most bloodthirsty villains ever. Mm-hmm. And you've got the people who are like vaguely contemporary, sort of just afterwards, talking about the rise of this great unified nation who want to make him essentially like their King Arthur. Yeah. So in their eyes, he can do no wrong. In the eyes of the people he attacked, he is the devil. So there's not really an in-between for it. <laughs> yeah. We... we... <laughs> Temujin gets forgiven for a lot of stuff in the secret history of the Mongols. We just got to kind of... He did commit a lot of atrocities. Well, this is the thing. I mean, we definitely do have records of many millions of people being killed uh, personally by Genghis Khan. He was a very busy man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's that's part of his sort of future of this. I'm going to kind of end it here with him just starting to unify the tribes because, as I say... There is a lot that goes on in his life that we have records of in one form or another. But I just want to sort of highlight the fact that Genghis Khan was a kung fu film star. Like, what we've got here is we've got... He starts off with his dad being poisoned by his rivals. Uh, Another set of his rivals kick him out of their tribe and basically leave them poor and penniless and everything like that. He manages to get back some of his prestige and then his wife gets kidnapped by another rival tribe a lot of rival tribes going on mm. here uh by an which is probably why he wanted to unify them he was just sick of having so many rivals <laughs> he just didn't want his wife to get kidnapped yeah yeah well uh, i should also point out Borta was his first wife uh he had a lot of wives yeah <laughs> um he could have he could have just picked another wife from the wife tree um <laughs> which is what he calls his tent <laughs> no um what was i saying you were talking about how it's like a Kung Fu movie. You oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to summarise, but... <laughs> then you start having thoughts. <laughs> thoughts of wife trees. God, I'm going to sound like such a dick on this podcast. <laughs> I swear I'm not this much of a dick. <laughs> You're going to cut this bit. <sighs> you say that, I'm probably going to be lazy about it. Because, <laughs> frankly, it's hilarious. Uh, anyway... Yeah, so his wife gets kidnapped, he gathers together his army and gets her back, but then he either betrays or is betrayed by his childhood friend, and he has to get together his army again and defeat all his enemies together and then become king. It's this very sort of, like, epic history that really does fall into the martial arts section, even though I probably got the DVD from the wrong section and it was just world cinema and it was just a biopic about Genghis Khan's life. But I didn't know that at the time. I was hoping for a martial arts film and you know what? I got a martial arts film because that was Genghis Khan, Kung Fu film star. Thank you all so much for listening. Please can you go to the iTunes store and give us a five-star review, if you wouldn't mind. Or, you know, whichever rating you think is fine. But five-star, definitely. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Like and subscribe on whatever medium you're using to listen to your podcasts. Yeah. Um, And join us again next Wednesday. Yes. And also start building walls, because the Mongolian hordes are coming and we need to talk about it. But you know what, Farnaby? Yeah. The main thing that's worrying me right now is I think that we may have pitched our tent in the wrong spot. Oh, God. Well, how about we discuss it over some nice cold mare's milk?